Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. As you know, the podcast is currently sponsored by Nook Ireland. So for the month of October, Nook are offering an amazing opportunity for you and a friend to win €300 Euro worth of Nook product each. Yes, that's right, €300 Euro each. I have to read it a couple of times myself. What an incredible offer. So to be in with a chance to win this competition, follow Nook Ireland's Instagram page and then tag someone you know would who would love to win this competition over on my own page on a post I have created. So terms and conditions do apply and the winner will be announced on Instagram. Good luck. In this week's episode, I chat to the gorgeous Aoife. Aoife and her partner Craig set up a page called Down With Korea last year and as of this morning as I'm recording this it has just reached 10,000 followers so well done to you both and congratulations it's a huge achievement the page is amazing so many gorgeous pictures of Korea and their life together so we chat about those early pregnancy days and weeks and how Aoife felt although their Aoife's pregnancy was wasn't necessarily planned they both were so delighted and excited um to know that they had a little baby on the way. So after a routine 12 week scan, there were some markers showing that their baby could have possibly had Down syndrome and later a blood test confirmed that. But they were also delivered the news that they were expecting a little girl. So they were so overjoyed when they heard this. We chat about Kriya's birth. So she was breached. She was presenting breach pretty much throughout her entire time in her mom's tummy. And Aoife went into labour and from the sounds of things, it sounded like she went to hypnobirthing or what, what she did, the place that she went to, went to when she was should have been quite uncomfortable. She just went into this really zen place and dealt with labour um, in a way that she didn't expect. So I'll let her talk you through all that. And then we actually talk about um, how Aoife's thyroid reacted 
after pregnancy. So I experienced something similar, nothing in comparison to what Aoife went through, but uh, it's just awareness of how you how your thyroid can be triggered due to pregnancy. And I think it's a really important conversation that Aoife brought up. So I'm thrilled to share this episode. I think it's a really special one and I'm delighted to have had the opportunity to speak to Aoife. So enjoy this week's episode and I will chat to you soon. Aoife, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Not at all. I'm excited to chat to you. So will we just hear a little bit about your family first? Yeah, so my name is Aoife and I'm 27. I have a little girl, Kriya, and she has Down syndrome. Um, we, Me and Craig started her page just over a year and a half ago just to kind of show everyone her journey and how she was progressing and just to show everyone that Down syndrome is not a negative thing, that they're just the same as any other kids. Um, I am with Craig nearly, well, no, three years now. And we're engaged and oh, cool. very happy. <laughs> have you set a date yet? No, we want to have another baby before we set a date. So hopefully that'll happen soon so we can set that date. <laughs> yeah, your page has really taken off in the last couple of weeks. And she's such a fashionista. The outfits, the shoes, yeah, so cool. Actually, just a second ago, we just reached 9K. So I'm like, we nearly have the swipe up. We nearly have it. <laughs> so let's chat about your pregnancy. Was your pregnancy with Crea planned? It wasn't. So I was actually on the pill when I fell pregnant with Crea. We had been on holidays in New York visiting Craig's brother. Um, and whatever happened, I was taking my pill on New York time rather than Irish time. And yeah, we had we ended up pregnant with Crea. I found out when I was only four weeks pregnant that she was on the way which is very nerve-wracking finding out you're pregnant that early on because so much can happen in the first 12 weeks. And how did you find out you were pregnant? Did you have a missed period? I was, it was about I'd say it was two or three days after I kind of I was kind of like Craig we had been out for a few drinks um, and when I woke up I was like Craig I don't feel very well um, and then we were kind of thinking he was like have you had your period yet and I was like no but it was only due a couple of days ago which would be normal like I would never have had mine at a by a specific time it was always a regular um but my chest had actually grown and Craig was like I think you might need to do a test and I was like oh hardly I, I was like it's just a bad hangover but I done one just in case so I we done the test and I left it on the locker didn't think anything of it got ready for work and then when I checked I just looked at him and I was like it says pregnant and then I had to go into work and carry on like nothing was after happening. <laughs> and how did you initially feel when you saw that positive pregnancy test? I I was confused because we we had planned. Well, we had said we had want we wanted to have a baby, but it just wasn't that soon. Um, but then when I realized like, geez, there's actually a baby in there. Like I'm actually carrying a baby. I got really excited and I was crying and. I looked at Craig and he was like a giddy schoolgirl on the bed. Like he was getting a, he was getting his mini Craig on the way. So yeah, it started as a little bit of fear, but then I was just so excited. Did you go to your GP to confirm the pregnancy or what was your plan then? We went up to my parents because I didn't know what, what way it worked. I was I honestly didn't have a clue where to even start. Um, and the receptionist of my GP lives across the road from my parents. So I went over to her. And she was like, ring me in the morning and I'll get you in to see the doctor tomorrow. So I was like, that's fine. And then when we went up to her, she was like, it's only a faint line. So I'd say you're only in the first month or two. 
And I was like, that's fine. She was like, look, I'll contact the hospital and everything and we'll get you booked in for your first scan. Um, but in the meantime, I was after having a little bleed. So I had rang the early pregnancy unit. And when we went out there, she told me I was six weeks pregnant. Um, and then she wanted to see us two weeks later just to check on the growth and everything. So we got a scan at six weeks and then eight weeks and then went on to the 12 week scan. How did you feel in those 12 weeks? Did you still feel like you had a bad hangover, which I think a lot of us can relate to? I think I was just terrified because I, I know so much can happen in the 12 weeks. I was like, I was terrified. Well, I had told a few people because it was just out of sheer excitement. Um, But like I used to work in retail. So I was like, I have to tell them early because I can't be lifting heavy boxes up. So it was more fear at the start in case we lost her. Or lost the baby because we didn't know it was a girl at the time. Um, but I had no sickness until it was actually after the 12 months and it was oh, after the 12 weeks. Sorry. Um, and it was only when I was in the car for about a half an hour. That's when I started feeling sick. That was the only time it ever actually affected me. So your 12 weeks scan, will we chat a little bit about that? Yeah, so it was the 12 week scan we went in to see the consultant first before we went into the sonographer um so we were waiting there and everyone was obviously really happy going into their scans and we got called so as the doctor was scanning she was asking questions like is this your first pregnancy and was it planned and all those kind of questions so we were just chatting away and we were so excited to see the 12 week scan because it's more of a fully formed baby than what we had seen in the last two um but as she was scanning me, then she just stopped and looked at the two of us and said, look, I'm not happy with the shape of the head. You're going to have to sit down. I'm going to have to get someone else. And I was like, oh, OK. So we obviously didn't have a clue what was going on. So we went to sit down at her desk, assuming she was going to call someone else in to give a second opinion. So as we went to sit down, she went, no, you're going to have to wait outside. And I was like, right, OK. So we were sitting outside for over an hour. I was panicking. I was crying, watching all the new mothers going in, like coming out with all their pictures, delighted. And we were sitting outside, not knowing what was going on. Not like all we knew was there was something wrong with her head, you know. So then after about an hour, an hour and a half, the sonographer called us in. And as she was scanning, she was like, look, there's a little bit of extra fluid on the baby's neck. Um, That would be a common characteristic of down syndrome and she was like it can have other uh, meanings as well but that would be the it'd be the most common for down syndrome so obviously we were like taken aback and we were like where do we go from here and she was saying she had to refer us to Dublin so Dublin their scan machines are a lot better than they are in our hospital but they also do a blood test called the harmony test so the harmony test it's a blood test for myself that it will test for Down syndrome as well as other syndromes as well. So Down syndrome was the best possibility. And then the other ones would have been life threatening. Um, so it was only a couple of days after the 12 week scan, we got the call to actually go up to Dublin. And we were delighted because we weren't we thought we'd be waiting weeks to get that blood test. Um, but yeah, I think it took a week for the bloods to come back. Um, and when the bloods came back, we got to find out the gender as well. So it was about 12, 13 weeks when we got to find out we were having a girl. Um, but I remember the doctor ringing me. I was off that morning 
Um, and he was like, look, your results are back. And I was like, oh, perfect. And he was like, it's after coming back a high probability for Down syndrome. And I just said, that's OK. Um, and I said, would you just be able to tell me the gender? Because I want to start buying and, you know, picking out the wardrobe and blah, blah, blah. And he said, before we go through anything like that, I just want to know, do you, would you like to discuss your options? And I just said, no, I said, there's no options for me. I was like, once I know she's a girl, like, well, I said, once I know it's Down syndrome and it's not life threatening, I said, we're happy. And then he told us that we were going to have a girl. Um, and then he was like, and you should be so proud of yourself for the response that you gave to that, because a lot of couples in your position at your age wouldn't have responded in that way. Um, but I was just so overwhelmed. That I found out I was having a little girl. I was like, no, I just, I'm so happy. And then obviously we were kind of back and forth then between Dublin and Waterford for scans from then on. So obviously you had additional scans. So what was that like? How yeah. regular were they and what were they monitoring? Um, we were, we had a scan. If it wasn't every week, it would have been every two weeks. So what they would have been monitoring were um, checking her heart because heart defects would be very common in kids with Down syndrome. Um like blockages she had a block Korea had a blockage in her um stomach to her bowel so that was caught at 28 weeks so it's there's just things like that and the the growth of their arms and their legs because sometimes they can be a little bit shorter and then there is there's a thing called the doppler so it's the blood flow to the placenta so near the end of my pregnancy my doppler's were very high so it meant that there was reduced blood flow to the placenta so I was in the hospital twice a week, every week for the last two or three months of my pregnancy. It was, but like I, it was our first baby. So I was nearly grateful for all the extra scans because I got to see her every week rather than people that just get to see their scans three or four times through their whole pregnancy. So. So did you do anything for yourself throughout your pregnancy to kind of keep calm and not let yourself get really stressed out about um, what lay ahead in terms of her birth and everything. Did you attend any classes or any antenatal classes to prepare? Yeah, to be honest, for a while, I think I put it to the back of my head. I I just carried on like my pregnancy was typical or normal, you know. Um, we did have a private prenatal class where they brought us to the ICU and where I'd be having my C-section like we got to do all of that and I think it was then it hit me like my my delivery is not going to be the typical delivery um and that's when everything kind of hit me I was like oh is this my fault did I do this to her did I do something wrong how like what how did this happen now obviously I know that these things just happen there's no actual reason behind it at the minute like they still don't know what causes it it's just that extra chromosome um but I just remember breaking down and thinking, like, how how did I do this to her? But only for actually being able to open up to Craig. Like, he was honestly the most supportive person I could have had. Like, he would let me just sit there and just talk and talk and talk. And sometimes he didn't even need to say it and back to me because I just knew someone was listening. Um, when it comes to classes and things like that, I, I wouldn't be very good at sitting down and talking to a stranger about my feelings. Well, back then I wouldn't have been, now I will talk to anyone, like I have no problem with it. But back then I would have been very, very closed. I just wouldn't want people seeing me weak. But from 
our journey back nearly two years ago now like I've learned a lot from that you know it's after making me grow a lot (laughs) you mentioned that you were having a cesarean birth so what was the reason behind that so what happened was Korea was breached for most of my pregnancy um and when we got kind of halfway through my doctor was like would you like her moved and I said no I was like she's comfortable I don't want to put her under any distress and then he was saying well then you can opt for a c-section I was like that's fine I was like I'm happy with that now it just so happened my waters actually broke and she was nearly delivered breach (laughs) by the time we got to Dublin then I I got there in time for my section so do you want to talk us through that so where were you what did you feel did you feel any contractions tell us everything so (laughs) what happened was I was up in Hull Street the National Maternity Hospital I was up there for a scan on the 27th of December um, and when I went up, they said, she's looking good. Um, she's about five pound. Um, we, if you come up to us next week, we'll book you in for your section. And I was like, yeah, perfect. I was like, I don't think I'm going to last a week, but no problem. Um, and then we went to Dundrum to pick up another few bits for her. And as we were walking around Dundrum, I was like, to Craig, I was like, something's not right. Like I was waddling I, every five minutes. I was like, I really have to go to the toilet um so we were like oh look we'll just go home and get into bed and relax so we went to bed and at about two o'clock in the morning I woke up and I was like I think I'm after wet in the bed so after I kind of like rolled out of the bed trying not to wake up Craig and I went into the bathroom and I was like no something is really not right so I called Craig and when I stood up my water is just gushed and I was like and how many weeks were you at this stage I was 34 weeks yeah so it it is common for kids with down syndrome to come premature as well but we were lucky that we had got to the 34 weeks um so yeah my water is gushed so I rang the hospital and they called me out I think we got to Waterford Hospital by about four o'clock and then they examined me and they were like yeah your waters have gone and I was due to deliver up in Hull Street So we had to wait for an ambulance to be available to get me up to Hull Street, which we waited, jeez, I think it was about five hours we were waiting for an ambulance. We didn't get to, yeah, we didn't get to Dublin until about 11 o'clock. So I had gone the whole way from Waterford to Dublin with no pain relief. And by the time I got to Dublin, when they examined me, her bum was nearly coming. Oh, gosh. And how did you feel? Obviously, you would have, your stress levels, were they high? You were going to possibly give birth vaginally when the C-section was the plan. Honestly, the one thing I was worried about was like, I like when I was getting contractions nearly, I felt really constipated. Um, So when I was in the ambulance, I was like, I think I have to go to the toilet. Like, oh, is there yeah. anything in here? And he handed me a big sick bag. Oh, oh my God. And I was like, are you joking? <laughs> And I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. But the whole way up, I just kept thinking to myself, right, she's going to be here. This is it. And the midwife that came up in the ambulance with us actually worked with my nanny that had passed years previous. So she was telling me stories about working with my nanny in the maternity hospital and things. So she... Oh, that was your granny that did that for sure. So I, I just felt like I had a guardian angel with me and... Even Craig says it to this day. He was like, I thought you were going to be the most dramatic person going through labor. And I've never seen someone so cool and collected because the midwife kept saying to him, 
is she okay? Because she should be in a lot of pain right now. And I was just breathing and closing my eyes and trying to bring myself somewhere else. Just telling myself, I'm going to meet my little girl in an hour. She's going to be here in an hour. Jeez, fair play to you. And you didn't have any hypnobirthing or anything like that? No, nothing. I still don't know how I done it. A lot of people say it to me and I'm like, I honestly don't know. I can't remember it. At, like, I can't even remember what the pain was like. And I would not have a high pain tolerance at all. So I don't know how I did it. You obviously just tapped into that space that yeah. some of us go into that we can never return yeah. to until we're giving birth again. So talk us through when you reached Hollow Street. When we got up there, I was brought into a private room where they took my bloods and got all my details and everything. And then one of the doctors said, right, we're going to put her down onto the labour ward now. And the midwife was like, you need to examine her because she needs to go up to the um, the operating theatre right now. And then when they examined me, they put me straight up. They had the anesthesiast there ready to go and everything. She was lovely now. She was really good. She just kept talking to me so I couldn't feel the spinal tap. She was brilliant. Um, and then... Yeah, Craig wasn't allowed there when I was getting um, my spinal tap. So he was sitting outside um, and then a nurse came running out to Craig saying, quick, quick, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. Um, but when he sat down beside me, he just grabbed my hand. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And he was like, well, are you okay? And I just went, oh yeah, I'm fine. They haven't started yet. And Craig was like, 
um, Eva, you're wide open. And then they just lifted her up and she screamed and I just started roaring because they told me that she mightn't scream because a lot of babies with Down syndrome don't cry when they're, when they're born. Um, so when she screamed, I just started bawling. I was like, she's here. Um, but th- that was my first look at her and they brought her around to us for about a minute and then she was taken. So they had really prepared you for all eventualities, yeah. hadn't they? Yeah. Like there was the girl that done the prenatal class with us, with us, her sister had gone through nearly everything we had gone through. So she was our saving grace. She had me prepared for everything. And how was your recovery? How did you feel? And when did you get to see Kriya again and spend some time with her? Yes. Yeah, so when they took Kriya to the NICU and Craig stayed with me while they were getting her ready down in NICU, you know, getting her wires and everything, they just didn't want to see her. Um, so I was in the recovery room because um, you have to stay there for a little while after. I think I was there for about half an hour because they wait until you get a little bit of feeling back in your legs. Um, and then I was brought down to my room. So by the time we came down to my room, I was like, Craig, please just go and make sure she's OK. I was like, I'm fine. Just go and make sure she's OK. Um, so when I was sitting in the room, I was kind of getting upset. Like I was like, my baby should be beside me. Like you kind of miss out on that initial nearly bonding thing um but Craig came back up and he was like the nurse said you can come down in your wheelchair and see her so I was delighted but when I walked in and saw her but like all the wires coming out of her like I was like the wires are are nearly the same size as her um and then I was asking the nurse I was like what weight is she because we hadn't been told I was like I was told in my scan yesterday she was five pound and they just started laughing and they said she's 614 oh stop (laughs) I was like, what? I was like, thank God I didn't carry her full term because I wouldn't have been able to move. <laughs> That's brilliant, isn't it? It was. It was brilliant now because knowing that like the blockage I had said that she had in her tummy, like she had to have that as a baby. So that weight would have really stood to her. So it was nearly a relief for me that she hadn't been born five pound because having that bit of weight, it helps everyone when they have to go through a surgery. Um, now, she only spent three days in the NICU, but it, it was still hard like only kind of like we were only allowed holder when a nurse had the time to come in and take her out to us you know and you can't she couldn't be fed so like I didn't even get that first feed at the start or anything like that so it was tough um then while she was in the NICU we had a lot of nurses coming in trying to get me to breastfeed which I physically couldn't it was so painful and it was just causing me so much stress so I was like, look, I, I physically can't. And they were like, oh, we have to try. It's best for baby. And I was getting so depressed. I was like, you're making me feel really bad for something I'm not able to do. And they were like, oh, we'll try with you. And I was like, I'm not comfortable with that. I said, when Kriya was born, a midwife was trying to help me express and we couldn't. I have sat in the bed trying to hand express and I can't. So that went on for a little while, but they did eventually lean off me, which was great um but I think that was I think that was day two and that is what started my kind of baby blues nearly because I was being made feel like I was a bad man because I couldn't breastfeed for my baby which it was just something I couldn't do um and then I suppose not being in a room beside her and not having her there just I just cried for the whole day two that she was in the NICU. 
And could you stay down there with her for hours or did you have to come back up to your room at a certain time or anything? No, no, I, I could go down there whenever I wanted. Um, I, For partners, I think it was, you can, I think it's from eight o'clock in the morning until nine or 10 o'clock in the night, partners can go in. Whereas anytime I was awake, I was down beside her. And were there other parents in there that you could chat to while you were, because you would have spent a lot of time there while you were there? No, it was strange. Like there was a couple of babies in the NICU but there was only ever one pair one other parent there while I was in there but she was kind of across so it would have just been a oh hi how are you um and when I asked the nurses about it they said a lot of people whose babies are in the NICU are actually admitted home so they only come up here when they can so they can't actually be here all the time you know like it must be so tough (laughs) so how were the few days after Kriya's birth so obviously I had a really tough day too and then yeah. Kriya was in NICU for three days so did she come back up to your room then or w- what happened there? So on day three we were trying to arrange to get her to either Temple Street or Crumlin so she could have her surgery to unblock the little blockage that was in her tummy Um, so I think that's why I kind of tried to make myself recover from the section so fast because I was like right I have to be on the ball for her Um, so on the day after my section, I walked down to the shower and I remember a student nurse running after me with a wheelchair being like, you, you, you can sit in this. I was like, no, I'm fine. I need to get mobile straight away, little by little, because I need to be in Crumlin or Temple Street every single day for probably four weeks. Um, So it was on what I would I think it was eight o'clock on New Year's Eve. We got the call to say we got, had got a bed in Crumlin. Um, on Peter's ward so she was going to go by ambulance and then my dad drove me and Craig over and in the meantime the social worker that was in Hull Street was getting trying to find us accommodation for the time while she was in Crumlin Um, and they got us a lovely house that it was it was only a bus ride away from Crumlin so it was handy Um, but it was it was a lot closer to Temple Street so we were just convinced at the start that it would have been Temple Street. So that's what she was helping us with. Um, now, in the, while we only stayed there for a couple of nights, and then we actually got um, accommodation in Ronald McDonald House that was on Crumlin cam- campus. So it was great. How are you feeling at this stage? You just had major surgery. I'm sure your milk had come in or was starting to come in at this stage. So how did you feel? Oh, my God. <laughs> But my boobs actually didn't start hurting me until I think it was a week after I had Korea. And I, I remember texting my cousin being like, Jesus, I was like, maybe I just didn't get milk in. Like, I was like, this is weird. And then it hit me like a bus. I was like, oh, my God, I'd never felt that and like it. It was awful. And then um, there was a public health nurse used to come to check my scar. And I remember her like pushing on my scar and I was like, I don't know what's worse. My boobs are my stomach. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> and then when you're not in the comfort of your own bed. Now, it is like a home from home up there, I have to say, but there's still no comfort like your own bed. <laughs> so we all know with your first baby, especially it's so new. It's completely new territory and you have all these hormones, these emotions, this new body that you have to maneuver around a new baby but did you just have to park all of that because you knew you had to move hospital you Korea was just in the forefront of your mind because you had this surgery ahead of her what did you do how did you feel there I I definitely went into survival mode I put a block on everything I was like 
I just need to be in the moment now and I need to be strong for Korea because she needs me to be strong now. Um, and then when she actually went and had her surgery and came out to us, they ha- she had been on an epidural and she was so like groggy and weak from the epidural. She couldn't even cry. And that day I was like, I can't do this. I broke down. My whole world came crashing down. I was like, this is not fair. Like she shouldn't have to go through this. Like, um, and that day the nurses said, Craig, like you need to watch her. I know she's all smiley here all the time. And they were like, she's not okay. Um, and these are nurses that only knew me a short while. You know, they were like, there's a lot hiding behind that smile. And he was like, I know. Um, again, everyone was always asking me, am I OK? And everything. And I was like, I'm fine. Um, but that day, all I did was cry and just lie there and hold her. And it was just awful. Like when your baby can't even so much as cry, like it it was I, I'd never wish upon anyone to see their child the way I saw her that day. And how was Kriya's recovery after her surgery? Her recovery was amazing. Like one thing I have to say about Kriya is she is an absolute fighter. Like she made me so proud. Like one thing we were waiting for was her first poo. Now she got a certificate for it and everything. I think it was two days after her surgery, she pooed and I could have cried. I was like, thank God. Now I don't be thanking God for them at the minute when they come. (laughs) But at the time they like just seeing her do with it. So that was how they knew the surgery was after going well. Um, so when she done her first poo, we were allowed to start feeding her orally. So we were able to introduce the bottle, but because she hadn't been fed for so long, she lost her suck. So she got the NG tube. Um, so that's the, the tube from her nose down to her stomach. So what we would do is we would attempt to feed her through the bottle and then whatever she didn't take would go through her NG tube. Now, we went through, I'd say, every brand of bottle until we found one that she'd take. But when she did take it, it was just like she just didn't stop. Um, But for the time that she was getting her NG tube, she also had um, it was like a bag on a drip that was just full of all the nutrients she needed to recover from her surgery. So it was all the vitamins, all the minerals and everything she'd need. So I think that really stood to her that she was getting that on a drip and she was starting to feed and everything. So she did only, she stayed there for four weeks. Now it felt like an eternity. Now looking back, I'm like, where did that time go? Like, you know, I'm like, I can't even remember half the time we spent in with her, but she went through so much in that four weeks. It's crazy. And what was it like feeding her a bottle for the first time? I'd say that was pretty cool. I honestly cried the first day we fed her. About, oh yeah I'm not like, surprised but because I had seen her like suck her dummy and everything I was like oh her suck must be there she's taking a dummy but it's completely different like they have to put everything in sync so they're breathing where their tongue is they're swallow they have to put, learn to put it all in sync and stuff so I remember at the very start she just would not take would not take it for the life of her and then she started dream feeding so when she was asleep she'd take it Ah, okay. She probably wasn't thinking about it that much then. Exactly. Yeah. So on the last week that we were in Crumlin, we had got our last brand of bottle that we were holding out for. um, And she took it straight away. And then we had to learn how to do the NG tube herself. And then so the two of us had to do it three times each before they'd let us go home. And I was like, that's fine. We'll do it in the morning and the evenings. I was like, that's no problem. It was hard to do that to your baby girl, but if it meant we could bring her home if not we like we could have been there for 
two months, three months. But yeah, we got to bring her back after the four weeks. Fully trained in the NG tube. <laughs> and so when you got home, did you just hop on the bed, have her on your chest and just do skin to skin and catch up basically? Yeah, we, we made the absolute most of it. Honest to God, like we just held, like she was the most ruined child because between my parents, Craig's parents, us, she was just so adored. Like she was held all the time. She was never let down. Like she was the luckiest little girl. She literally came home to just wanting to be up all the time. I used to just leave her asleep on my chest every single day. How are you physically? Drained. Absolutely drained. Um, I, about a month after we had come back from Dublin, I was really sick and it was when COVID had first started. I had no energy whatsoever. Um, so I was ringing the doctor and one doctor said, oh, that might be COVID. We might have to send you for a test. And I was like, OK, I was like, I really don't have the energy to go anywhere to get a test. But OK. And then I ran, I got through to my own GP. She had been off work and she was like, if something is not right here, I'm going to have to get you in for a blood test. Um, so I went in for a blood test and my thyroid was through the roof and I had to go and see a specialist up in Cork and she diagnosed me with thyroid toxos, thyroid toxicosis. Um, so basically it meant like the cells in my thyroid were nearly bursting and leaking all the hormones through my body. So like, as well as it, like I lost loads of weight, like everyone used to say, oh, you're after losing all your baby weight. And I was like, because I can't stop getting sick. I was like, I can't eat. I can't hold anything down. I can't act like I couldn't walk. If I, like my parents live about a 10 minute walk from me and I wasn't able to walk to their house without physically getting sick. I would overheat. I would have panic attacks. It was so bad. So when people used to say, oh, you look amazing. I used to be like, thanks. <laughs> but it, That's actually a really good point because we very often see. Um, yeah say a really slim pregnant person and think gosh they're so healthy but in fact they might be suffering from yeah. hyperemesis severely and actually can't keep anything down so yeah that's yeah. a good point yeah no it was terrible and I, I was sick for a good couple of weeks so like there was I think there was a week where I actually I was terrified to even go near Korea because I didn't know what it was and I was terrified to pass it on to this one month old baby two month old baby I was like I can't so that was soul destroying like my first mother's day I I literally got to cuddle her for like five minutes and I was like, Craig, I can't chance it. You're going to have to bring her back to downstairs. Like, And was it triggered by pregnancy? Because that's how my thyroid was triggered. It was triggered by pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was on a heap of medication. So I was on beta blockers, neomercazole. I was on, I remember going to collect one of my prescriptions and the man that works in the chemist came out and said, there's a warning now on the amount, the dosage that you're on. And I was like, oh no, I understand I'm on a high dosage. I was like, my levels are through the roof. They're just trying to nearly whack it straight back down. But like, it's only now that I'm actually coming around. Like I got my bloods done about two weeks ago and my for the first time since I had Korea, my bloods were normal. And isn't there a specific thyroid, tired, like thyroid fatigue? It makes it so obvious that your thyroid's off. Oh, yeah, like I only went back in for the blood test two weeks ago because I was feeling so drained and they were like, your bloods are fine. But they put me back on my beta blockers because my heart rate is still through the roof. And I was like, I feel like I'm just going to be on tablets forever. <laughs> I didn't take my for eight days when I was in 
hospital yeah. with Eva there a while back and I just totally forgot to take it and I felt horrendous okay. and I didn't know why. I just didn't, it didn't even register with me. Yeah. And then I realised what it was. It was a rotten hangover. Like I had a flu. It was mm-hmm. just constantly there. And then I started taking my tablets again and it was fine. So it just has, even though I'm on such a small dose, yeah. it has such a huge impact on how I feel on a daily basis. I know I can control it with a diet somewhat, but I can barely feed my children enough yeah. nutrients I never felt myself. a tiredness like it and it's so hard yeah. to explain it to someone like when you physically cannot get out of bed because you don't have the energy to even roll over so tell me a little bit about Kriya and how she is now oh it's amazing Kriya started in a special in a special needs preschool so she goes there three mornings a week and she's after coming on so much like she's doing sign language She's starting to share with other kids because she hadn't been around a lot of kids over COVID. Um, like she's just turning into a proper toddler. You know, like she's getting into everything. She's doing like she's doing things to mess with you. You know, like she's just a proper little girl now, like a little fashionista. Um, I know, it's so cute. No, but you say to her now, like, would you like to wear a dress? And she's like, yeah. And then you're like, she has like the nicest shoe collection. And I'm like, what shoes will we wear today? And I'm like, she's like my little like Barbie that I had when I was younger. <laughs> so when you say that she's learning sign language, is she learning love? Because Oliver is learning love at the moment to help him communicate. She has apraxia, so this will just give yeah. him a, a helping hand. Uh, how's she getting on with it? Yeah, so we started love with her when she was very small, but she never paid much attention to it. Um, Like the only one she'd ever do as a baby was dog because she was obsessed with dogs. So we kind of stopped for a while. I know that sounds awful because I was like, oh, she's just not paying any attention to us. But when she started in school, like she came home one day and just started doing the love sign for dance, for mama, for dada. Um, she does ball, play, drink. She's only there three weeks. And I'm like, this one's going to be a genius. <laughs> she is actually a sponge. She only has to be shown something once and everything is again, again. Yeah, she loves like ring. She was just doing um all around the garden where her dad before she went up to bed, and every time Craig finished again, and she'd start doing it on his hand again, and she thought it was hilarious. So before I let you go off to bed, is there anything else that you would like to just to say before we head off? Um, I think just to put it in people's minds again that Down syndrome is not a negative thing. If you saw her Instagram, you'd see that Kriya is no different to any child her age she's just starting to walk now so it is a little bit slower than say a typical child but I like to say it keeps her my baby that little bit longer um and if there's anyone out there that is facing a diagnosis please don't google anything about it go and talk to a mother that has gone through it because just like every typical baby is different every child with down syndrome is different as well thank you Aoife for sharing your story I really appreciate it I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I really enjoyed my chat with Aoife. If you would like to share your story, as always, you're more than welcome to. You can just pop me a DM over on Instagram or you can get in touch via the website, which I will link in the show notes. I look forward to chatting to you next week.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 